0: Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning and welcome to The Grove and for Church Online, my name is Stephen and I'm one of the pastors here and I have asked Allie to be with me this morning. We are doing something a little new and different and so we're glad that you are with us this morning for it. Allie, you want to tell them a little bit about why you're here?
1: Sure. So, there's been a lot going on in the world and a lot of it feels confusing and we don't know how to search for solutions. But one of the ways that we think the solution begins is through conversation, yeah. good conversation. And good conversations actually are pretty difficult to have. Yeah. So, we wanted to start off our summer of good conversations by giving you an example of us having a conversation. We've had lots of practice
0: yeah, yeah. on how
1: to have good conversations. We
0: have. <laughs> Sometimes you learn how to have good conversations by having not good conversations, and so we have definitely had practice at that as well.
1: Um, and today, we are going to have a conversation about?
0: Yeah, today we're going to talk about, uh, I think, again, over and over and over, I've heard you know, feedback from you that I find that the story of Exodus is just so relevant for our lives. Uh, not just kind of this blanket relevancy, but in the things that we're actually dealing with in the state of the world today and in this moment and in this very hour. And so again and again, there seems to be these new ways that God is revealing, you know, timeless ancient truths for us in this moment. And so I think it's important that we kind of continue that because, you know, over the last several weeks, we've been walking through the story. But I think where we're at today matches up perfectly with kind of what I see when I look at the world around us. I think again and again and again, what I'm noticing is there's just this heaviness to life. There's this weariness that we all feel. It feels like we have left one place, kind of this COVID pandemic shelter in place, and all of the challenges and difficulties that we've talked about for several, several weeks, Um, that that brings. Now it's not over, but in a lot of ways it feels like life is returning to normal and we've moved out of that place. But now in this present moment, it feels like we've left one hard place and we've moved into another really difficult hard place that's not related, but I think is exacerbated and compounded by the fact that we've gone from you know COVID into this place of kind of disunion and disagreement and frustration and anger and, you know, fear and uncertainty, you know, about our nation and kind of about the state of the racial tension that's happening in our world. And so this feels like a really hard place. And I Just get the like sense, the Israelites. yeah, I get the sense that this weariness is something that we don't know how to solve or yeah. the ways that we attempt to solve it, uh,
1: aren't working anymore.
0: No, they're not. And in right. the ways that we, tried to manage and navigate COVID are not the same ways that we need to manage and navigate
1: the current situation. The current
0: situation, And so I think it's the perfect moment to talk about where we are um, in kind of the story of Exodus because I think it aligns perfectly.
1: Great. So can we do a little bit of a recap Just of probably, where we've been? Yes, we are
0: probably a good are idea. We
1: halfway? We're not even halfway through. We're getting close. All right. We're so more than we're... halfway
0: in the series. <laughs> we're not quite halfway in the book of Exodus. Okay, we'll speed up as we get towards the end. Okay. Yeah.
1: So give us a quick recap. What is the recap of where we've been so far?
0: Yeah, so we have started with kind of the people of Israel finding themselves in slavery in Egypt and over the course of several conversations and lots of chapters of Scripture. It's been this this effort on God's behalf through the person of Moses to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites out of captivity and out of slavery in Egypt. And we kind of came to a big crescendo last week at the Red Sea when, you know, Pharaoh's armies are closing in on the Israelite people and they think that they're about to escape, but then it looks like they're not going to escape. And then all of a sudden God through Moses parts the Red Sea and the people of Israel escape. And so Really quickly. That's kind of where we are in the story of Exodus and again and again and again What we've been talking about is how the Exodus story is not just a you know Isolated series of events in Scripture, but it's really a larger story that we see throughout all of Scripture Sure, and it's the story that I think that we see in our own lives today of God Constantly leading his people into a new place right And that journey into a new place isn't easy It isn't always clear. Uh, At times, it's scary and frightening and difficult and uncertain and unknown. And yet, this is what God does is he's constantly drawing his people into a new place.
1: Right. So we've left the Red Sea. We've miraculously parted the Red Sea. God has. The Israelites have walked through. And now they're in the wilderness. Yeah. They're They're not in a better place.
0: No, no, I think that's what's so difficult, you know, so they're, in the time span, they are 45 days out, removed from Egypt. Okay. They're in the middle of the the desert around the mountain called Sinai, and so they're in the middle of this wasteland and desert, and it's not an inhabitable place. And so what they find themselves in in this moment is they're 45 days out of Egypt, they're in the middle of nowhere, and they're starting, they're starting to get hungry. (laughs) As literally. anybody does they're on a road trip. Getting hungry. That's right. They have ma- they've made it past the last buckies, and now they're like, "We should have stopped. I told you we should have stopped." I'm hungry. Where's where's the next exit so we can get some food?
1: Can you imagine the frustration like that the Israelites felt? Like you you have left this horrible situation. Yeah. And there have been lots of points along the way where you've questioned whether this was the right path, right? You sure. run up against the sea, you don't know where to go, the right. Egyptian army is coming. There's a lot of places throughout the story that the Israelites question and doubt and wonder if this is where they're supposed to be. And then they cross the sea, they get yeah. out, 45 days out. 45 days is a it's long, a long time. time. I mean, and
0: it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people who are kind of making this trek through the middle of this arid desert.
1: Right through the desert, uh-huh. and, where they, and they're starting to question and doubt, not only God, and I don't know if doubt's a strong enough word.
0: No, so the the the, the, the language and the words that they use is, they call it grumbling. Like, the translation <laughs> is literally like, they yes. like bicker and moan and complain because Gosh. of where they find themselves.
1: Isn't that what we've experienced in, in COVID a little bit here and in these last few weeks, yeah. months that we've been in this, is that... The longer we wait, the longer we're in this place of uncertainty, the more the bickering and the bemoaning and the grumbling kind of starts to surface in all of us.
0: Yeah, all of the patience is running thinner and thinner and thinner. We're less gracious, less compassionate, less empathetic, and we're just all hot and tired, and mad, and our clothes are sticking, and we have blisters on our feet, and we're just... Texas in the summer. That's right. It's it's an outdoor wedding in the summer (laughs) in Texas, and nobody's happy. We're just ready to be in a new place, and it's been too long since we've eaten, and so we're starting to get the hangry thing starting to come in like in a significant way.
1: And so they're not very pleasant to be around. They're not very pleasant. And so they start to wonder how they're going to find food because they literally can't find food. And what does God do?
0: Well, it's in this place that the hunger and the discontent and the frustration and the anger reaches such a crescendo that they actually begin to think about how life used to be in Egypt. And so it's in this moment. Actually, I'd love to read it because I think it's interesting. Um, what they say so the israelites are complaining and this is what it says Oh, how we wish that the lord had just put us put us to death while we were still in the land of egypt This is kind of the beginning of chapter 16. We just wish that god would have killed us while we were in egypt Because in egypt we could have sat by the pots cooking meat. We could have eaten our fill of bread But instead you moses you've brought us out into this desert to starve us to death mm. Like They're like, we should, we'd should we have been better off had we stayed in Egypt or died in Egypt than this place that we find ourselves in now. Gosh.
1: And there's something that's humorous about it, but there's also something that's just deeply sad. Because yeah. from their point of view, I understand why they felt abandoned. I understand why they felt like God wasn't with them. Because they hadn't sensed or seen evidence of his presence in a really long time.
0: Yeah, and... I mean, and it's not all that different than maybe thoughts that we've had, not in the last week, but maybe the last couple of weeks prior to this, where, you know, as we start to emerge out of this place of sheltering, you know, and self-quarantine, you get to this place where it's hard and difficult and uncertain, and you don't know what decisions to make or how to get out, and you're like, life was a lot simpler. <laughs> you know, when we, we knew that for the next six weeks we were going to be in here, we kind of think back kind of fondly, not that, like, you know, Not to belittle all of the sickness and death that's happened, but like life was easy when we knew that for the next six weeks we just had to sit put.
1: Yeah. And I actually think it is is similar to the last week as well in some ways because we are maybe in a place where we know deep in our bones that this isn't working anymore, Mm -hmm. that this isn't the place that we want to be, this isn't the society that we want to live in anymore. And yet, there is no cloud of fire or pillar of fire leading us very clearly in a very obvious direction.
0: No, it is not clear. We
1: are kind of bickering and moaning and trying and figuring this out, and everything feels uncertain and risky. Yeah. And we can feel a little abandoned, a little like God isn't leading the way with a clear path.
0: Sure, sure. And it would be easy to say, well, we've just been better off Maybe where we were back where we were because this place doesn't feel good either.
1: Ignorance was a lot better.
0: Yeah We've gone from like bad to worse. Yeah
1: Yes, and I think that's how we can relate to this right, but that's also maybe how we can understand how the events unfold in this story
0: Yeah, so it's kind of this place where they're like all right God like it would have been better if you'd have left us in Egypt This place isn't any good uh, that God begins to speak to Moses to tell Moses what to tell the people And so the Lord says to Moses, he says, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. And then in this way, I'll see whether or not they follow my instruction. And so then Moses and Aaron, they gather all the Israelites together and they communicate the message. They say, this evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glorious presence because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning because the Lord heard the complaints you Mm. made against him. Your complaints aren't against us, but they're against the Lord.
1: Mm. So the plan is what?
0: So the plan is that... God hears their cries, he hears their frustrations, he hears their anger and outrage and disappointment and weariness and loneliness and exhaustion. And he says, okay, I'll provide for you. And so each day in the morning when you wake up, there's going to be this dew-like thing covering the ground. And you'll be able to gather it up and you'll be able to eat it, it'll nourish you. And then every night quail will descend on the ground and you'll be able to gather them and collect them and you'll be able to eat them. So in the morning there will always be bread and in the evening there will always be meat.
1: But what's so interesting about this particular plan is the way that God chooses to do it. Yeah. It's not like he says, fine. Land, be fruitful, and multiply, sprout all the f- bread and the quail right. that we'll ever need, that's right. and we'll just build storehouses and we'll store it.
0: Yeah. And what's so interesting about that is the instruction is actually in the morning when you wake up and you go to kind of gather this kind of dew-like substance, this kind of white, kind of frothy stuff that's, that's kind of collected on the mm. leaves and on the ground, only gather what you can eat that day. Do not gather more than that. And so what ends up happening is the people, some of them listen, and they just gather that day's amount of bread, that day's amount of sustenance. And then others gather more, and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to save this for later. I'm going to gather more than I need just in case. So that just in case I need to provide for myself, I need to take care of my own needs. Of course. But every time they do that, the, the stuff that they gather rots, and it spoils, and oh, it goes bad. And so they're not able to save anything.
1: Oh, what an interesting paradox to be in it's it's so unlike our situation here right we when we gather things or when we go out shopping when we start to literally gather food I mean one of the first thoughts in our mind is like well I can save this for later or maybe I'll need this later I mean
0: we have whole stores and systems of grocery stores dedicated to bulk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like,
1: yes. and that is why Costco exists.
0: That's right. Because
1: of our need. That's but right. It, but it's true. Like, if we had that removed, right, that ability to save, Yeah. what would that do to us? Like, how would that change us?
0: Well, and I think, you know, what's, what's clear in this scripture is, like, God does this, and he says, in this way, I'll see whether or not they follow my instruction. And in this way, you'll know that I'm the Lord. Yeah. It's like... I'm creating this device and this mechanism for you to participate in so that you can learn to depend on me, to mm-hmm. trust in me, to rely on me Gosh. and not on your own abilities, not on your own wisdom, not on your own strength. And so, you know, for me the parallels to where we find ourselves in this moment
1: yeah, are really I mean?
0: clear because, you know, out, you know, in our, you know, immediate communities, there's not a food shortage. There yeah. are for people in the city and people around the nation and the world, but like for us, this isn't a an issue of material, you know, deprivation. That's right. But there are things that we think that we have ample resources of that maybe Hmm. psychological resources, emotional resources, resources of patience or courage or, you know, of optimism or hope or joy, all of these things that we think, well, I can manufacture this on my own. I can develop enough of this enough of these stores myself you know we we live in this culture that promotes this pull yourself up by your bootstraps we love that type of success story you know this rugged individualism that is the American spirit and yet what God is teaching the Israelites and I think the lesson that is available for us is dependence on God is the only way forward
1: well and just that that idea that we can be reliant on ourselves, that we can be reliant on our resources and abilities and talents is flawed. It doesn't yeah. hold up no. in our lives. And I think what's so interesting about this when I think about, well, what do we need the most right now? Oh. Like what do, what do people, yeah. <laughs> us, like what do we need the most right now? What I hear is some mixture of courage, yeah. fortitude, yeah. endurance. Mm-hmm something around those words that come, comes up for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think our inclination is to try to look for that in ourselves.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does Look make for sense. that
1: fortitude. How do we become stronger? How yeah. do we become bolder? How do we become more active in our society? And we're relying on all the only resources we know yeah. how, which are making ourselves be something.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the great lie to that idea that we are capable of providing all that we need in, term, you know, in those areas, is that we find ourselves in places like this where we're just out. Like, we are out of patience, we are out of energy, we are emotionally exhausted, we are psychologically fi- fatigued, and we come to this stark realization that we aren't enough for ourselves. We mm, need we more. We have limits. Yes. There is a limit to what we can provide for ourselves. And we have to depend on something greater than ourselves. Otherwise, we mm. will hit empty and there will not be any more. And I think that's when things go sideways. I think that's what we see oftentimes. Why I think some of this in the last couple of weeks has bubbled up and boiled up in the way that it has, because yeah. we've just come out of this deeply stressful Traumatic, you know, on a psychological and emotional level place from kind of this uncertainty and, you know, vague unknowing of COVID. And then we move into some of these, you know, issues, you know, with racism and violence and injustice in the world. And it's just, it's too much.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, can I share a story for Please. a second? Please, yeah. When you think about, like, how I've learned what my limits are this last past week, yeah, I think that lesson has been crystallized for me in the sense of, what I've been learning is that I don't have all the answers. And I actually can't find all the answers. Like, I am reliant, I am dependent on other people. And I believe that it is God and the Holy Spirit working through those other people who are helping me see the way. So it's this idea that maybe that this idea of limits actually leads to some sort of dependence that can actually be good, be fruitful for us.
0: In what ways do you feel like, because my initial reaction to this idea of like, learning to be dependent. Like, fights against not, <laughs> every fiber of my being. Because it's not all, your norm? No, because oh, no. it feels like the, the best way to be is totally independent and self-reliant. Because then, uh, you don't have to worry about whether or not people come through, or God comes through. or. I know. And, and I agree that it's a lie and a myth, and you know, I'm working on it. But like, okay, make the case for me why dependence is good? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm going to try. But I think, I think scripture supports me. So bear with me. Okay. I think that there's something really beautiful in acknowledging that we have limits as human beings, that we actually were not created to do this whole thing by ourselves, that that is actually what it means to be made in the image of God or to be God's child is that you really are a child Hmm. and in that posture Mm -hmm. of being dependent towards God, you actually live out your most fullest meaning of what you were supposed to be. And I wonder if maybe that dependence that we are made to have on God actually translates to dependence on other people. Because when you allow yourself to be dependent on other people, to listen and to learn from them, to try to figure out life with them, you actually allow them to live out their calling too, to serve you in ways that you didn't expect. And I think that is a little dose of the kingdom that God Mm. promises, this promised land that God promises.
0: Um, Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, in this, the passage that we read, um, one of the many of the translations talk about at the very beginning of chapter 16, mm-hmm. the whole congregation of Israel mm. comes to Moses and cries out to God in frustration, and it's the first time in all of Scripture that this word "congregation," Ooh, community, group of people, it's the first time that it's used, referring to them not just as a family or not just as a nation, but as this. Community is maybe God intends it, this congregation. This of
1: people has relationships with each other. And with God. Dependent on yeah. each other and dependent on God.
0: Yeah, and so the instruction that God gives to only go and gather that day's need extends to you can only gather that day's need in this certain amount that they call an omer. And you can only gather enough omers for the number of people in your tent. Mm. So it implies that there were people who would go out, and let's say it's me and a family of five, I'd go gather five omers worth mm-hmm. for that day because I was responsible for caring for the needs of the other people who I would go back and provide for and take care of. Interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of baked into this instruction, both the dependence on God, the reliance on God to provide, and the dependence and an interconnection in, in your community. Mm-hmm.
1: And isn't that, sneak peek, isn't that what we see in Exodus? Because yeah. Exodus is, is not about a, an individual, although yeah. we talk about Moses a lot. Yeah. It's actually about the formation of God's people. This is the yeah. first time that Israel gets formed, yeah. educated, molded mm-hmm. into the people that God wants them to be. Some pretty significant things are going to happen in Exodus in the next few chapters that help form them. Yeah. But maybe after liberation from slavery this is the second one is this incidence of manna this reliance on God and reliance on each other
0: yeah well it's interesting you kind of mentioned this idea of like you know we have to be more like children in this way of like Mm -hmm. learning and and I think that's kind of the maturation process that we see I think God trying to accomplish in this wilderness period with with Israel because spoiler alert Uh, This whole, like, you have to go and gather, like, daily bread and daily manna. They do that not for, like, a couple of days, not for a couple of weeks. Poor Israelites. They are in this daily dependence, like, routine for 40 years. So, Lord willing, we don't stay in this place for 40 years. But, I mean, this this is how much God is... Kind of forcing Israel to be formed, and it's it's kind of like this maturation process of you know kind of the teenage years, this rebellious, kind of uh, frustrating um, yes. moments of independence and moments of dependence, and back and forth, and kind of learning lessons on their own, but ultimately still relying and needing on you know this forty-year wilderness period. is kind of like the teenage years uh, for, the for, the, for the people of Israel, yeah. And I wonder if there's a lot of forming that maybe is happening now. waiting for us.
1: Because wouldn't that be amazing if yeah. this period that feels chaotic and desperate, that feels uncertain, that we don't see our way out, what if not only is there formation happening but we're actually learning a better way?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think for me when I kind of reflect on this story in my own life in the ways that uh, god is calling me to greater dependence on him and kind of in a daily manner uh for me so much of what i come up against you know as someone who's trying to lead an organization and to lead people and you know to lead myself Mm -hmm. well is this realization that i don't have all the answers that i don't have all of the energy and the willpower and the force of personality to create everything as i want uh And so I have to do a better job of, like, depending on God each day. And for me, that looks like prayer. Hmm. It's like taking intentional time every morning um, to be quiet, to be still, to be thoughtful and prayerful, and realign my dependence on God. Because it is so easy for me to wake up in the morning, it's like, I got it, I got a plan, I make my bed, and then I do this, and then I go to the gym, you know, I just boom, 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 boom. And if I'm not careful, I can be so like action oriented and proactive that I don't ever create any space to admit that it's not all on my own power and that it's not all with my own strength and energy and that I really do need God and so for me, when I'm more able to create that space and to like spend time in prayer, it's a reminder that yeah, every day I got to go up and gather what I need. And it's not hmm. anything that I can create for myself, and I got to come and find it from God.
1: For me, the dependence theme actually registers a different way, and it has to do with what we're doing here. Yeah. I think so much of what we'll be doing this summer, and I hope and pray this is what we're doing this summer, is having conversations. And that sounds like such a light thing, like such an airy thing, okay. but often we avoid hard conversations because they're difficult because they make you feel awkward for all these other reasons. Yeah. But I have started to learn very, <laughs> I'm learning the lesson, is that when I enter into heart conversations, it puts me in this framework that I am dependent on this person in some way, shape, or form, yeah. that they have not only a lesson and understanding or perspective to share with me, but also that they're God's child too, yeah. and that we're dependent on each other. And I hope that that's, what we're doing this summer, that we are engaging and thinking about what dependence looks like yeah. in all of our lives, um, both yeah. on God and with yeah. each other. Vertically
0: and horizontally. Vertically and yeah. horizontally. Yeah. <laughs> Shape
1: of the cross. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that this is probably a great place to wrap up. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult time for everybody. And it's difficult in a lot of different ways. And I don't know that we should be spending time trying to justify whose, whose life is more difficult or in the ways that it's more difficult, but mostly recognizing that we have to do this together. This is the only way out that uh, when we recognize that we need each other, and most importantly, that we collectively, we need God. It's, it's the only way that we're going to find what we need. It's kind of the daily sustenance to continue to move forward. So that's my prayer for us as a church, that we would be people who would be courageous, who would be willing to kind of go first and to make the first move and to initiate hard conversations, but done so gracefully and compassionately and empathetically. And that also we would kind of evaluate and take inventory of our own life and our own you know, unwillingness or willingness to make space to depend on God in a greater and greater measure. So and
1: that's why this summer we've started to provide some resources for you guys. Yeah. If you are braving conversations around pools or barbecues or vacations, wherever you are with your family, around long the car dim- rides. long car rides, yeah. wherever you are this summer, um, there are tons of resources. Grove.org on our website. We're doing a lot of fun stuff this June to help you and your family engage in those conversations. So I encourage you to check them out. Check out Friday's newsletter. There's a list there. You can get plugged into what we're doing this summer yeah. and hopefully begin to have these conversations. That's it. Well,
0: let me pray for our time together this morning. Thank you all for being with us. Gracious and loving God, first and foremost, we admit that we are dependent on you. You are the one who animates us, who puts life in our bodies, and who gives us the strength to move forward each and every day. God, in the tasks that you've laid out for us, in in the relationships that you've surrounded us with, we ask for your provisioning, for your daily strength and energy for your grace and compassion and mercy and love to flow through us so that we can share it with other people. God, help us to recognize that we are not islands, but we are connected with each other, and that the way that you have taught us is to love each other the way that you have loved us. So God, help us to go and do that in our day and in our week. We're grateful for our time together, that we can stop and push pause on all that is going on, gather together as a people, and come before you. We love you, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.